very difficult, you know, and it was nothing really to do with Marcus, but we're, we're going to go with um, three outside linebackers uh, on the 53-man roster. And, and obviously that was difficult, you know, for Marcus and, and how productive he was. But, you know, came into a numbers game. We're going to keep five inside linebackers. We plan on keeping eight linebackers all told. And it's really the, the work that Nick Delore and Mike Wilhoy give you from a special teams aspect uh, were huge for us. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again on Gold Faithful. I am Brian Peacock. That over there is Nick Winkler. We'll be joined a little bit later by a gentleman known as Bay Area Sports Guy, Steve Berman. So we've got a big show here heading into week one. It is game week. Nick, how's it going, man? Are you excited for the 2016 season to finally be upon us? I am. I mean, expectations, I think, are tempered a bit. Um, I'm, I'm not going to overshoot here and get too pumped up. But I mean, you know, come on, it's football. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, you heard the, the intro there. I love that that Rush was signed to the practice squad. Uh, we got a lot to talk about there. We got a lot to talk about. You know, with with starting spots, with you know how much is is DeForest Buckner going to play, and and so on and so forth. Let's let's preview Week One against the Rams. Funny fact about that: uh, was reading the ESPN ranks of the top games for Week One. Obviously, last but not least, Rams 49ers, even behind Browns at Eagles, which is two new coaches and, and a rookie quarterback versus Robert Griffin the third. So, getting a lot of respect around the country. Wait, wait, wait! It was the. The least, the least exciting game. The least exciting game of the week is the last game of the week, the late Monday night football right. game. The, the Rams versus the 49ers. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, they got no love at all. <laughs> Whatever. I don't, I don't, I I'm, I'm not surprised that people aren't super stoked on the 49ers that are, that are on the outside looking in. And uh, actually, the unofficial depth chart was released. And you know what? The Rams depth chart doesn't look a heck of a lot better than the 49ers depth chart. And no, it really, really doesn't, especially when you look at their numbers from last year. It's like, oh, they didn't get better really anywhere either. Awesome. Yes, so we've got to get – we pr- probably should start there as far as the 49ers go with the roster and the unofficial depth chart. Since we've last been on the air two weeks ago, a couple of uh, obligatory things, that newsworthy items that happened with the 49ers. One was yesterday, and the other one was Colin Kaepernick. And um, I don't want to go a ton into that. I was, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get – beat over the head with hot takes because I was on vacation last week when the whole Kaepernick thing came down. Um, first of all, let's start with Bruce Miller. And Do we have to? Shoot, oh, my God. Just whatever. See you later. And don't let the door hit yeah. you in the ass. As soon as I read out. it, I'm like, okay, that guy's gone. Yeah, he was inst- he was released before I even caught wind of the story. And <laughs> aggravated assault, elder abuse, threats and battery after an early morning fight at a San Francisco hotel. And now there's video that leaked out from uh, footage there of him bloody and just wasted and roaming around somewhere in some back stairwell at this at this hotel. And he was booked into county jail, 2.45 a.m. near Fisherman's Wharf, and cut very soon after that. Bruce Miller, man, way to, uh, way to just crap your career completely down the toilet. I mean, I can't imagine him signing, getting signed anywhere else. Nobody's going to sign that guy right now. No, that's such a horrible, horrible move. The week before the season starts to beat up an old man, like, Oh, come on, man. That's, and then, you know, last year he had the, 
uh, you know, the the problem with his with his girlfriend is so he smashed her phone or something. Yes. You thought, OK, it's a phone. You know, it's not that big of a deal. All right. I mean, that you know, that's definitely showing some anger issues there. But, you know, this just this just puts him into that, you know. Right. Let's, let's not look back ever on this guy. Let's just move forward. No more Bruce Miller talk. He's a DB. Let's roll. Well, what's worse? You, you beat up a 70 year old guy or the 70 year old guy beats him up. That's true. I mean, at least he won the fight, right? I don't I mean, know. Did you see how bloody he was? He looked <laughs> well, he like he took the brunt guys, of there something. There was also a 29-year-old involved. Oh, okay. But yeah, he was walking. He was, you know, bloody-faced and all. He, he he seemed to be still with it. I hope the it's gash on his head came from the cane of a 70-year-old guy. <laughs> Just clocked him. That'd be amazing. Yes. So anyways, enough about that. Goodbye, Bruce Miller. And right. we'll never see you again. Good riddance. Colin Kaepernick, is there anything you want to tie a bow around that thing before we move on? Because we've never had a chance to talk about it. You know, I I, I don't like how much attention, uh, how much negative attention it's getting. I, I like that it's raising the question and that people are talking about it that much. I like I don't like how they're saying he's disrespecting the military and this and that. No, he he's raising, you know, he he's trying to bring awareness to a situation. And most of the time, too, when I talk to people about this, they haven't read his full comments. They're, they're just basing it on reading headlines here and headlines there. And he raises a lot of great points in, in his, uh, in his statements. And so, you know, that being that, you know, Colin, if you want to kneel for the national anthem, I've got absolutely no problem with it. Yeah. You know, it, the further it goes along, the more, uh, the more respect and more support he's getting his actual, his Jersey sales are through the roof all of a sudden for a backup quarterback. So that tells you a little bit something there. Uh, there was the veterans for Kaepernick hashtag that was going around for a while. So I think a lot of people realized it it was completely within his rights. And he was trying to 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 start a conversation or keep a conversation going. And he has that ability as a professional athlete. And um, you saw Eric Reed kneel with him in that fourth preseason game. And so I he got the conversation going. And I I, I can't hate anybody for that. Whether or not you want to stand up or sit down for the national anthem, that's your own thing. And if nothing else, he at least hopefully got some people to kind of think of that and even reaffirm for those people why they do stand for the national anthem. So, right. That's a great point. Yeah, and I have no, you know, I have no beef with Cap right now. And I think that um that will definitely die down. I wish it was a situation where he he sort of came out and said, I'm gonna do it for this game or these block of games. And then it would kind of be a thing where it didn't take over the season because now it's just like, okay, hey, guess what? Kaepernick knelt for the national anthem. Great. Okay. He, he knelt again for the national anthem. So it's going to be a story all season long. And it would be nice to see the focus go back on the team. And if the 49ers start to lose and it's just all about the backup quarterback, that would just be a really weird situation. But uh, aside see? from that, whatever, Cap, uh, he it was well within his rights and – um a counterculture guy that I am, I think that's great. Sometimes you need people to kind of shake things up and get and get you thinking. Do you see more happening? You know, I mean, you saw Lane from Seattle, um, the United States women's national team player also knelt. Do you, do you see it just continuing week and week? I could totally see that. I could see yeah. more people getting on board or it's sort of just dying down and becoming not much of a story anymore also. Mm-hmm. If so, you had to pick one of those two, what do you think it'd be? You know, I think most people would have probably done it by now and joined in. Mm-hmm. So, and I think most, away? I think most teams, I think it's a very un-team player kind of thing to do, just because most teams don't want that. Because as soon as one person on one team does it, 
every coach, every other player is going to have a microphone in their face asking them about how they feel about it. Right. And I think most teams and even most players that might be on board with it and might be behind the scenes kind of, you know, give some dap to Kaepernick um, for taking a stand there that they don't want that, you know, they don't want that taking over their locker room necessarily. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Although uh, I, I'm really interested to see if anybody does it Thursday night. You know, if anybody, maybe the coaches are even telling him like, guys, you know, let's let's not draw attention to ourselves. You know, this like you said, this is a team game. Let, let's try to focus on that. Keep your politics to yourself. Who knows? Yeah, and the reason I love sports is because it is entirely not politics, right? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it's it's the it's the complete other side of that thing that I don't like to pay that much attention to. So that's what I love about sports. It's not everyday life. It's not serious. So when they intertwine, it's all, it gets a little bit weird sometimes. But yeah, let's get back to sports. Right. Man. Let's Rams talk coming. about the team, the Rams, yeah. the Los Angeles Rams. I don't yeah. think I've called them St. Louis yet in this show, but I'm sure I will. I'm no doubt. Yeah, I had a little <laughs> trouble searching for them earlier. I was like, wait, St. Louis, why is it saying less? Oh, right. <laughs> so uh, just to tidy up some news, the, the latest news as far as the roster is concerned, Tank Carradine, one-year extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's shown enough in his new role as a stand-up outside linebacker that the team uh, gave him a, a short one-year extension there. So basically it's it's the same as he had that fifth-year uh, first-round pick um, restricted free agency kind of thing. So it's almost like they picked up a one-year option kind of thing on him, which is, I think, a great deal for the team because if something happened, there was injuries, and he came out and had a great year, he'd be in line for a pretty big contract. So now yeah, they have a whole course. one more whole season to check him out in that position. They went and got Rod Streeter. Yes. A lot of Raider fans will remember him. Um, Ryan Covey, who's been on this show, uh, likes to refer to him as Street's Gotta Eat. Because <laughs> he's, he's a fan. He's a it's fan a very of very Covey so, thing to say. Yeah, he streets got to eat. Streets got to eat. Uh, also added Taylor Hart, another Oregon guy, another huge defensive lineman. So uh, I like that addition a lot. And so with the addition of Curly, now you have just a weird wide receiving core, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, is Curly, you know, they're saying he's going to start in the slot. I mean, what's he got? A week and a half under his belt? A week in the team, know, the and playbook. he's already, yeah, he's going to be a return man he's he's the only guy listed on this unofficial depth chart and you know this is put together by the PR staff so uh it's not the official official depth chart but Jeremy Curley's the only guy listed in this third slot wide receiver position the only guy listed as the punt returner and he's second behind Chris Davis as the kickoff returner so that's a lot of work for a guy who's been here for a week right I mean I I love the addition of Curly because I do remember him with the Jets a few years ago. A lot of injuries were happening there. I, I, you know, you know this. We we play a lot of fantasy football. I remember. I believe I picked up Curly at one point because he was, you know, in the PPR league. He was making a lot of catches, and he just he seems like he might be a great addition to this team. Just how quickly that happens remains to be seen. Man, and it's gonna. There's a lot on on Chip Kelly's plate right now because. Quarterback is just a big question mark. It's obviously a weird position on the roster right now. And the wide receiver position is one of the worst I've seen as a 49er fan. And they've had some bad years in those, uh, you know, in the 2000s and some bad rosters. And, man, it's uh, it got such little attention. And even earlier, I mean, all offseason I've been talking about, okay, draft happened. Now who else can they add, right? And right. Jeremy Curley and Rod Streeter were the answers. And so even that <laughs> leaves a little bit, you know. <laughs> DeAndre Smelter, waived, uh-huh. never appeared in a game. 
Uh, he had an injury settlement and not picked up. Uh, one of the biggest surprising cuts was D'Andre White. I was very shocked at that. And I wonder if they offered him a spot and just and probably thought he would be back on the practice squad and he might have pulled back and said, you know what, if I'm not going to make this team, I'm going to look somewhere else because he got a, I believe he had a, a tryout or a workout today with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I haven't seen if he ended up signing with them. So he, but he is practice squad eligible for any team. So we'll see if he does get picked up. Really surprising cut there because I thought he was he would have ranked ahead of Jeremy Curley as a guy who would be in the slot and knows the system and was here all offseason. And he didn't have huge upside, but he looked good enough to, to to get some run, not to just be completely tossed to the side for a couple of guys that haven't really done much either. When you said it, if he can't make this team, then, you know, he obviously wasn't showing very well in practice because that, you know, not, not a whole lot of talent to jump over there to getting, you know, onto that, what, five wide receivers they, they kept or, or uh, five wide receivers, yeah, two yeah. of them brand new, right. and then they didn't want to cut the rookie Aaron Burbridge, but he had almost no role even in preseason games. Right. So basically it's Torrey Smith and it's Quentin Patton. And then Curley's going to get a lot of run in the slot because they're going to run a lot of three wides unless they're going to put uh, tight ends out there, and you might see that. I mean, we, You might see a, Vance McDonald, you're right. You may see Sean Drone. I mean, we'll see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, a lot of this offense we've been seeing in the preseason is is vanilla. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're going to see some fun stuff come Monday night. There's a good chance that we see more tight end in the slot. Garrett Selleck and Vance McDonald, because the, the newest depth chart does have Vance McDonald first, Garrett Selleck second. And obviously Bruce Miller's gone. So Blake Bell's that third tight end. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it's t- a lot of two tights with that tight end is the guy who's out uh, in the slot rather than uh, maybe Curly at wide receiver. But who knows? Maybe he's ready to go, and uh, and they'll be rolling with him. Uh, two of the biggest things I see with this depth chart is the first-round rookies are not first-team players. Right, right. But, you know, a lot of what you're hearing, too, especially with, with Buckner, uh, you know, Alden Smith was also, you know, a top-ten pick, and he wasn't a starter. And what do you have, 13 or 14 sacks his rookie season? Yeah, he, met, he came out of the gate on fire and had a ton of sacks as a rookie. And look, here's the thing, and especially with the defensive depth chart, the way it's written out, sub is the new base. Right. So you have to assume that, you know, obviously we're going to see three wide receivers on offense. We're going to see plenty of sub packages on defense. Chris Davis in the nickel might play more than than Mike Purcell, who's listed as the starting nose tackle. Right. So mm-hmm. you nickel corner, Tank Carradine coming in on the outside was a linebacker. And then the rookies, Buckner and probably a lot of Blair as well as uh, pass rushers on the defensive line when they do go that nickel sub package. Uh, and with that said, why don't we talk to the Bay Area sports guy, Steve Bourbon, about how he sees the roster now that it's fully set, headed into week one, and how he feels about the 49ers in general as we head into the season. All right, you can follow him at BA Sports Guy. Check out his work on BayAreaSportsGuy.com. He is the Bay Area sports guy, Steve Berman. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Steve, so 53-man roster, it's set, right? Depth chart, the unofficial depth chart is out. Game one, less than a week away against the L.A. Rams. Let's start small. How do you see week one turning out for the 49ers? I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I kind of see this as a win for the 49ers, similar to what we saw last year against the Vikings. The Vikings had to uh, travel a lot longer than the Rams will because the Rams are now in Los Angeles. But I think they weren't really sure what Tom Sula's team had in store, and Carlos Hyde was healthy, 
and the 49ers played a pretty spirited game opening day of the season or opening night, Monday night anyway. And the Rams, while they have a really good front seven, there's not a whole lot on the offensive side. They haven't figured out their quarterback situation. Obviously, Goff is going to be inactive, so their attempt to get a franchise quarterback hasn't worked out yet quite so far. And so I, I see a pretty low-scoring game, and the Rams probably don't know exactly what Chip Kelly's going to do. With They can look at what he did with the Eagles, but the, the 49ers are a completely different roster. Carlos Hyde should be healthy, you'd think. So I, I, I see this probably a low-scoring game, and with the 49ers looking fresh and uh, spirited at, at uh, Levi Stadium, I would probably predict a win for this one. So, so Steve, you know that we'll get back to the the Rams again in a minute. So, real quick, we'll look big picture here. How do you see how do you see the season turning out? What's a a win total that you have for this 49er squad? Well, I, I guess Vegas has five point five as the over under, and that seems like it makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if they got six, just because the, the they were just a shambles last year and didn't really know what was going on, and and really looked kind of lackadaisical and and not really into it for a good part, part of the season. They still ended up with five wins somehow. A couple of those were total gift wins based on stuff that kickers did. But still, I think that with Chip Kelly being a much more competent coach and the offensive line being far, far superior, I think, to last year, and some defensive talent that you know could be good. And uh, I don't think there's a lot of stars in the roster, which is why I don't see them getting the benefit of the doubt in a lot of these games, especially with the schedule being so difficult. But I can see them weaseling their way into six wins. Five wins is definitely possible and fill is four. Hey, Steve, I want to ask you, uh, since we're talking about win totals here, is there a situation you see, say they go in the tank and they only win four games, or maybe if they don't win eight games, maybe if they're below 500, is that enough? Do you think someone like Trent Baalke is on the hot seat? And if he is, because it looks like if you traded up for a guard, he, he, th- there is some talent on defense. There's some talent up front. The offensive line has been revamped, and that looks a ton better. But wide receiver and QB, the wide receiver position is probably one of the worst that's ever been assembled in the history of the world. And <laughs> so wide receiver it, QB. It sorry, go ahead. The, uh, just, so wide receiver and QB is is really bad, but the rest of the roster is actually not that bad. So do you think Balky purposely put it up this way and hired a guy like Chip Kelly so Chip Kelly can go – and just do his thing and win games with, with mediocre talent on offense? Well, I don't think Trent Balky hired Chip Kelly. I think Balky's a guy who was going after probably the Parcells family tree and, and sort of defensive guys. They were even still talking to Tom Coughlin right up until the end. Maybe that was a negotiating tactic. I don't know. But it seemed to me that that was more of a Jed pick, a guy, Chip Kelly, who sort of like falls into the Bill Walsh ideal of maybe – a little ahead of his time, some different tactics. Obviously, he's really into technology and sports nutrition and a lot of things with conditioning that are a little different and obviously the tempo of his offense. So I think that was really a Jed pick trying to kind of pick a revolutionary after picking a very conservative, defensive-minded, not quite ready to be a head coach guy in Jim Tom Sula. So Trent Balky, obviously, to get to the sort of the meat of your question, He's absolutely on the hot seat. I mean, it's obvious right now. Just promoting Tom Gamble, even if it's just like in the building thought of as sort of a just reward for Gamble being a good employee, it just seemed weird timing-wise that he's promoted to assistant general manager with Trent Falky having all these questions. And this is yesterday was a terrible day for the 49ers as a whole, mostly because of the Bruce Miller thing. 
But also with Will Redmond going on IR, and he was a guy drafted in the third round. Every, I think I pretty much started the whole why are they going team ACL thing uh, over a year ago and started questioning him with a lot of articles. Now everyone's on that train. I think everyone pretty much in the last three days has written a, you know, team ACL has totally failed for Trent Baalke and the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And then you look at obviously what you said with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers because, yeah, you have a, some building blocks maybe on the defensive line and offensive line. But still, today's NFL is all about the passing game. They've created all these rules to help the passing game, and the quarterback and wide receiver situation is not good. So you look at that, and you look at where he's drafted guys. He drafted so many cornerbacks and safeties, and then with all the guys who he's drafted with all these picks he's accrued that aren't even playing snaps and are getting cut, and for whatever reason, either it's ACL or just because they have too many picks and the guys they draft aren't that great. You look at Trent Baalke, he's just not collected enough guys who have all pro potential. And also, if you just keep losing and losing and the roster gets worse and worse, you're definitely on the hot seat. Hey, you mentioned it in there, Bruce Miller. Uh, <laughs> we got to talk about it. Uh, this is a guy that you know goes out with his buddies, uh, get, gets reportedly extremely hammered, uh, ends up getting into a fight, allegedly, with a 70-year-old man and, and his son. I mean, this his career's over, right? Yeah, because if you look at Alton Smith, a guy who actually didn't ever do anything violent like what Bruce Miller did, and he's gotten chance after chance because if you look at him and say, hey, he's the guy who can maybe get 16 sacks a year, even more perhaps in the right situation if his mind's right. Bruce Miller is a guy who's playing a position that is going extinct pretty quickly. I mean, he was a really good fullback for Frank Gore, and you look at it, and he was one of the building blocks of the team. He's another one of those guys who was in the Super Bowl roster, the Super Bowl starting lineup, who is gone. There's so few still left. And Bruce Miller was kept on because even though he's you know, converted to tight end, he's a guy who could play special teams. He was, a, he was thought of as a leader. And now, obviously, no team's going to think of him as like a good veteran to bring in as a leader because you have to worry about all the character issues. And he's, and he's not really a tight end, per se. He's a guy who started as a defensive lineman, moved to fullback. He can catch a couple of passes, but he's not really a tight end. And not many teams really want a fullback anymore. So why would you pick a marginal offensive player who can maybe play special teams who's been in the league for a few years if you can get some guy who's younger, cheaper, and hasn't punched a 70-year-old guy in the face and broken his face? (laughs) And, you know, you mentioned leader in there. And, and, you know, obviously on most teams, the the quarterback is the leader. So Gabbert getting the nod here week one. Do you see maybe him, him keeping this? throughout the season? I mean, is it, is it just based on win total or, you know, if he, if he's playing well and the team's losing, does he get to keep this job all year? If he's playing well, then he'll keep his job all year. And I think the key though more is that if he stays healthy and that's why Chip said he always carries three quarterbacks because he's not comfortable with two because guys always get hurt and he's had to deal with quarterback injuries galore. Gabbard isn't a guy whose problem has been really injury issues or staying on the field. It's been more just lack of production, and I still don't really see him as an incredibly dynamic passer. He's an okay passer and a decent runner, but there isn't a whole lot there that says, okay, he's a guy who's going to you know, bring the team back if the defense has any mistakes whatsoever. If you have a great defense and a great running game, then I think Blaine Gabbert can win you nine games in a season for a team. That's probably tops, though, just based on what I've seen so far. 
And I don't think the 49ers have a great defense this year. I think there's a lot of young guys with potential. I think that the defensive line could be really good in two or three years. And I think the quarterbacks and, and safeties are a pretty good group. But the linebackers, is, there's not really a lot of pass rush there. And in the running game, the running game could be really good as long as Hyde stays healthy. But you know, he didn't even last the preseason without getting a pretty significant injury. So you look at all those factors together, you figure if Gabbard starts 16 games, that would have to be pretty much a big surprise. Yeah, that's a great point. And it, so if, if a 9-7 and seven team, and you just kind of mentioned how it would have to go to have a, a best-case scenario, is there a worst-case scenario that you see? Like, how bad could it be? It's Because Chip seems to not even care that he doesn't have a franchise quarterback. It seems like he never had one in Philly and you would think that he would be fighting to find a guy like that, but it doesn't seem like that's something he's worried about. And m- most guys, most coaches and GMs say if you have two quarterbacks, that means you have zero. And Chip's <laughs> kind of on the other side of that coin. Can you see something just going really bad with this team? Well, Chip uh, definitely wants a franchise quarterback, but I don't think Chip had a lot of options this offseason. I think he's probably pretty happy that he got a you know, four-year, 20 20- $24 million contract because did you hear of any other team even interviewing him for anything? I mean, he had a pretty tough go in Philly at the end, and I didn't see any other teams thinking this is great. So his options really were either go to go back to college or coach for the 49ers and, Tom, and, and rejoin Tom Gamble and try to put something together there. Quarterback-wise, obviously he'd want a better quarterback. He didn't like Nick Foles, even though Foles had a really good statistical season. He brought in Bradford thinking that, you know, that's a guy that was at least available, that he could maybe mold into something. That didn't really work out that well. And now he goes to San Francisco, and he probably figures, all right, the 49ers just fired Jim Tomsula, who had a four-year deal, and they just gave me a four-year deal. So I probably have some time here. So he's probably hoping that he can uh, figure out a franchise quarterback and to the other point of your question, how bad could it get? Their schedule is really tough. If they lose to the Rams on Monday, you're looking at a very possible 0-5 start with this schedule the way it is. And when you start at 0-4, 0-5, the season is over. And so you have guys who start going for stats. You have players who just get disillusioned, and the team as a whole loses confidence. And so then you're looking at a team that is going toward very top of the draft and that might be where they end up getting their franchise quarterback yeah, that's a great that's a great point it's almost like you don't want and it was this way last year toward the end of the season you don't want to sort of be that team that's just wallowing in mediocrity and, and just in that six and ten zone all the time it's almost better to be one and 15 to get that <laughs> right. top slot it is and i hate to say <laughs> that but gosh if if it if, the, if it is going to go in the tank then um, at some point, you just hope for, okay, get this guy a quarterback because we still haven't seen that with Chip. And I know he, he he did try to throw his whole entire draft at drafting a Marcus Mariota, but um, Tennessee wasn't biting on that trade. But that would have been really interesting to see him uh, with Mariota over there in Philly. But it, it would be awesome to see him have a chance to have a really good receiving core and a really good quarterback. And those are the two biggest needs, obviously. But if, there's, if this is a situation where the team falls apart, you almost have to start questioning – another roster overall because it's going to be no bulky and he's going to be coaching for his job. It's just crazy. I, I don't even know what would happen if, if uh, it, it went down that path and was like a one in 15 season. Well, uh, it, I don't think they'll go one in 15. I mean, they were terrible last year. I mean, their offense was the worst 
I've ever seen from them. And there were some pretty dark years after they fired Steve Mariucci. And there had, you know, Tim Rattay and then rookie Alex Smith getting pummeled and Trent Dilfer playing quarterback for a good portion of time. And still last year, it was last year, the, the rough part about last year was it was so boring. It, yeah. There was just nothing offensively. I mean, I, I put together a vine of, and probably uh, uh, one that in the NFL wouldn't like because it's just straight off the TV. A Blaine Gabbard is throwing a guy's feet three straight times in the same game. And, you know, just <laughs> passes were like the guy's wide open six feet in front of him, and he throws it at the guy's ankles. And because he's so worried about committing a turnover. So I, I don't see them being worse this year because Jeep Chris, I think, was not a true offensive coordinator, NFL standard. And this year, Chip Kelly, even though he's you know, had his, his problems in, in Philly, especially as a, as a talent evaluator, he had a few good seasons there, right? I mean, there were a couple good seasons. And, and he was a guy who is obviously pretty decent on the offensive end. One thing that worries me is that they had such a hard time finding assistant coaches. They, had, you know, they end up getting the a Browns cast off as their defensive coordinator. I don't know if that's going to set the defense back, or maybe he's just an underrated guy, Jim O'Neill, who's going to end up doing something. But I, I just don't see one in fifteen. I, I, I think that you're talking; uh, they're going to get a few wins here or there, even with the schedule as difficult as it is. But you know, it's one of those deals where it wouldn't be that bad if that happened because Chip's not going anywhere. Even if they go 1-15, he won't be the scapegoat. It'll be Balky. Balky will get fired. They'll either promote Tom Gamble or they'll find someone completely different. And then when you look at it after that, then they're going to go into a draft where they're going to have picks really, really high. They can get a quarterback and get one of the better receivers or maybe even two and revamp a passing offense because you know that's what Jed wants to do. That's why Jed brought Chip Kelly in. He knows that everyone is going back to Eddie D. And what did Eddie D. have? He had Bill Walsh. They had an offense. And now if the offense is just terrible, terrible this year because of the players, not because of the scheme, then they'll, they'll look at backing up that scheme instead of drafting Oregon defensive linemen high in the draft or, or safeties or cornerbacks. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's the biggest savior of this season is that they have a legitimate coaching staff. They're, they don't have Anquan Bolden, and that's the biggest loss. If you have help, Carlos Hyde healthy for most of the season, a better coaching staff, I don't see how it can be a worse team. So I, I'm expecting a better than than five-win season. But, man, it, it, that scenario you started to paint where things could go south, and that would start with a big <laughs> loss on Monday night, uh, That that is kind of scary. Grim. So it's, it's rough because the, the the division they're in, too, because I mean, the Rams – you know, Jeff Fisher is kind of a, the butt of jokes because of all these seven to nine seasons, which the 49ers used to be known for. Me and my friend used to chant seven to nine, just sort of in jest, but also kind of happily because, you know, oh, seven to nine, they're showing some improvement during the Nolan years because it, it seemed like they were always seven to nine. But Fisher's always seven to nine, but still they have a lot of defensive talent. And then the Seahawks and the Cardinals, unless crazy stuff happens, should still be really good. So you're looking at a division where – if they go two and four in the in the division, you're pretty much like, okay, well, that's either to be expected or maybe even on the good end. And then after that, they're playing a lot of teams that are, are pretty darn good for a team that should have a last play schedule. He's a fantastic follow at BA Sports Guy. Check out his work on BayAreaSportsGuy.com. Of course, he is the Bay Area Sports Guy. Steve Berman. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks again for having me, guys.
All right, so there it is, a, a nice uh, outlook on the season. Um, do you want to t- get into it right now? You want to you want to talk about your prediction for the season, or should we should we get back to some week one talk? I am gonna. Well, let's just finish up that conversation then about just the season, and uh-huh. I'm gonna take that best case scenario and run with it. I like that. Yeah, nine wins, right? That that's the tops nine and seven. Yeah, I, I think if they if everything turns out. Like Steve just mentioned, I think it could be even more than nine wins. I mean, you're talking you talking about never know. A too. I mean, run. you know, you start looking towards the end of a season at the matchups. You're like, well, you know, who knows what injuries are going to hit other teams? You know, they they lose a key player, all of a sudden they're not the team they once were, and and this and that. And I I legitimately see this team winning seven games this season, and you know, give or take one or two here or there. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see them win eleven games. It'd be fantastic. But I I, I like. I like the way they're headed. Anything is better than last year, right? We didn't even get into it with Steve about the offensive line. I mean, that that's probably the biggest improvement for, from a year ago. And, and and so that that gives me a lot of, of hope and promise as well. If Chip is able to coach up that passing game, even if it's not just brilliant scheming, even if it's just you know some good play calling at the right times, they don't turn the ball over and they're able to make some plays and make some things happen. And the offensive line is as good as we think it is compared to last year. Carlos Hyde stays healthy. They're able to run the ball. The defense looks like it's going to be at least an average defense, and I think it could be better than that. I think they have some good talent there. Um, so if they're able to do those things, then then you're in every every football game, right? And you've seen yeah. how quickly things can flip in a game and one play here or there and one bonehead thing. So, you know, win those turnover battles, run the heck out of the ball, and then throw when you have to, and, and maybe some good things can happen with this team. And they've got to start hot. And those first four or five games are going to be crucial. And it all starts with game one because it's the most winnable. You have to win that winnable home game on Monday night. You have to. You, you have to win it. Uh, the Rams, they're actually favored by two and a half, which is is mind-boggling to right. me. And I'll take that money. And No doubt. The, the, the over-under on the season is five and a half wins for the 49ers. I'd put the money on the over for that. I think a well-coached team, I think the talent, you look around the league, uh, they – they have enough talent to be in football games. So if they're well coached and they're young and they're hopefully improving, then, uh, you know, six wins. I, I would I would easily say that this team can win six wins. It's, they're, they're a better team than they were last year, almost all the way around. And that team went, won five games. Well, it's it's not just that they're they're better on the surface because they are, but there's also some depth now. You know, there's some depth on the offensive line. So there's some depth on the defensive line, the middle linebacker position. You know, there are guys fighting for positions that could be starters that that aren't going to be starters come Monday. And that's, you know, obviously not in the wide receiver position. But other than that, I feel like they've gotten better all the way around. I totally agree. So uh, what do you you have? Seven and nine? Seven and nine. Yeah, that, that's my prediction. I'm going to say six and ten because I don't want to get too excited. But uh-huh. I think this team could absolutely be a seven and nine team. I think it could be a similar situation uh, with with Chip when he showed up in Philly and his, and turned that team around. And they had two really good seasons to start out there. So that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking for. If anything less than six wins, I'd be hugely disappointed. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if this team was a 500 team or even better. It wouldn't shock me. No, I, I'm I'm right there with you. And it, since we're talking about uh, season predictions, uh, this was this was fun. I thought you'd like it. Uh, NFL Networks and. And friend of the podcast, uh, Heath Evans, yes, uh, along with Elliot Harrison, went through the Rams' schedules and actually have them as a as a four and twelve team. So I, I thought that Heath probably did that for us because he's such fans of the show. He is. He loves the show. It's uh, it's public knowledge now. It's been put out there. So thank you, Heath, for the love. And yeah, 
it's funny because when you when you go through these preseason things and everyone thinks that every team is going to be you know whatever record, if you added all those up and all those predictions, there's not enough losses. You know what right. I mean? Somebody has to be the four and twelve team. Somebody has to be the one and fifteen team. You know, right? And that has to happen. And there's multiple teams that are going to be picking in the top five of the draft, and everyone hopes it's not their team. But man, things can go south in a hurry for for just about any franchise. You say that, and things can go north too. I mean, you well, see exactly. it all the time in the NFL. I mean, that's that's the quickest turnaround uh, sport that there is. I mean, you can go from being a bottom feeder all of a sudden, like, hey, look at that. You know, we we spent some money. We got some young guys that have finally, you know, starting to hit their stride. And, and look at us. Now we're in the playoffs. Right. It happened when Jim Harbaugh showed up in yep. San Francisco, and they immediately were a powerhouse playoff team. And they might not have as many superstars right now, but there is some budding talent on the roster. You said a minute ago it happened with Chip Kelly and Philly. I mean, right. you know, this, this there, there are a lot of proven uh, scenarios where this this goes down. So you know, keep your head up, 49er fans. Don't get discouraged. Chip, man, I hope he's the quarterback whisperer, man, because that quarterback wide receiver stuff. I will see the best thing to come about how the roster looks right now mm. is we'll get to see some of those Quentin Patton dance moves. Yeah, right. Because he's, he's going to be heavily involved. Yeah. By the way, for anybody out there that plays daily fantasy football, uh, week one, Quentin Patton is a huge play because he's probably free in daily fantasy leagues. And uh, in a high-volume offense, I'm sure people are going to be in the box trying to stop Carlos Hyde. They're going to be looking over the top so Torrey Smith doesn't beat you deep. I think Quentin Patton's going to have a lot of one-on-ones. He's going to be on the field a lot because there's nobody behind him that's going to take his job as the number two receiver on the outside. So Quentin Patton's a nice, sneaky, daily fantasy play. So there's that and, for you. Yeah, to add to that as well, I mean, Torrey Smith's probably going to be guarded by Tremaine Johnson. Dude had seven picks last year, 17 passes defended. So that that's kind of a, a lockdown corner if there is one uh, on the on that Rams football team. So, yeah, I like that Quentin Patton pick a lot. Yeah, and they chose Tremaine Johnson to keep him around. They gave him that long-term yeah. contract. So we're talking about the Rams game. Should we get into our top five things to look for in week one? Let's do it. I want to hear yours first. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll start with my, my number five. And this is more so just for me personally. I, I want to see Navarro Bowman. I just I I loved, you know, that he was back last season. I'm talking about the NFL's leading tackler a year ago. And this defense and pretty much this team will go nowhere without him out there. So I want to see him out there looking like Bowman. That, that's my number five. Number four. I want, to, I want to have a good look at that defensive line. You know, a lot of high draft picks spent there recently. Uh, I want to see some penetration. I want to see them pushing that offensive line back. I want to see some pressure on Case Keenum. This is a guy who does not have a whole lot of time in the NFL. Let's, let's put some pressure on him. I want to see the, the lineman being pushed back into Gurley as well. You know, like, don't give Gurley any time to get that ball. Let's get some penetration. These are huge human beings that the 49ers have. I mean, they've got now three guys that are 6'6 and close to 300 pounds or bigger. Uh, so I, I just want to see them. I also want to see if Dorsey's going to be out there. I mean, there's a lot that that's going to be uh, running through that defensive line, similar mm-hmm. to, to Bowman. I mean, offense and defensive line so important in the NFL. Number three, wide receivers. You know, will Torrey Smith be able to get open? against Jermaine Johnson. You know, Will Patton show up? You, you mentioned the, the fantasy thing, but w- he's never shown it. You know, he's had little flashes here and there, but mm-hmm. it, w- will he be there? Th- this is this is a big storyline for me. Is Curly ready to start? Will he know the playbook? Will he, you know, is he only going to be in there on a certain number of plays because that's all they can kind of scheme for him? You know, will anyone else step up? You know, will, Streeter, 
He's on the roster. How long has he been there? What does he know? What can he get done? Mm-hmm. Burbridge, is he going to see any time at all? We shall see. Number two, it, it's the quarterbacks to me. It's Gabbert. What kind of leash is he going to have? You know, is he going to look good? Is he going to be checked down Charlie the whole time? You know, is he just going to be doing that the whole game? Is he going to hit Vance McDonald 27 times? You know, it's, is, is, you know, how much is the camera going to be on Kaepernick? Is Ponder going to suit up? I mean, doubtful, but you, you never know. And then to me, the biggest thing in week one is that offensive line. I mean, that was the biggest problem last season. You know, Anthony Davis back from retirement. He's got a new position out there. Trent Brown, is he really you know, locking down this right tackle position like everybody's saying that he is. I, I'm excited to see that. I want to I want to see what they look like. I mean, Kilgore's out there week one. That's, that's you know, cute. very different from last season, so that's a lot. Will Garnett get any playing time out there? You know, will he see time with the ones? Will he, he be on the sideline? Will he even dress? I mean, this is – that to me is the biggest story, and not just for week one, but to me the offensive line is the biggest story for the entire season. You know, we uh, our lists are looking kind of similar. Um, really? Yeah, I, I totally agree. My number five is Vance McDonald catching the ball. Mm-hmm. Really? He's going to be <laughs> utilized early, and he has to prove they can hold on to it. And if he can, he can have a huge season. And will he be lining up in the slot? I mean, are we going to see that move tight end stuff in the slot? And I think Garrett Selleck fits a little bit better as the inline guy. So then you move around Vance McDonald, use him in the passing game. That could be massive, and we might not be talking so much about Curley as we are about Vance McDonald catching the ball and really being the third wide receiver in the offense. Um, number four for me is the D line and the pass cover. This is really a pass rush, pass coverage thing. I think the 49ers will be able to stop the run. I think they showed last year that they could stop the run, and, and teams were just able to throw on third down. Remember that Steelers game? It was I do. ridiculous. Week two, right? Yeah, and, uh, I believe it was week two. I think yeah. that was the big letdown game after – the right. big week one Monday night game. And the 49ers were stuffing the run. D'Angelo Williams was averaging 1.9 yards a carry or something like that. And then they're like, okay, third and nine. Here we go. First down. You know, just over and over and over again. They couldn't get off of the field. And then I think D'Angelo Williams ended up plunging in a couple of touchdown runs from the one-yard line because um, they didn't pass, they passed the ball down to the one, but they didn't score. So it looked like D'Angelo Williams had a great game. He was getting stuffed repeatedly. And they could not get off the field on third down. So... I want to see that defense on third down. I want to see some of those young players on the defensive line and the outside linebackers getting to the quarterback, some of the young corners they've had. You know, Jimmy Ward was the first rounder as a safety. Now he's out there at cornerback. They need to lock some guys down. They need to get off the field. Number three, the running game. Carlos Hyde, will he stay healthy? How much will they use him? Are they just going to, is it going to be a completely, it's got to be a run-heavy scheme. I know they're going to run the ball more than they're going to pass it. Uh, how will Sean Drone and Mike Davis kind of be used in that rotation? It's going to be interesting. They're going to be used in the passing game, I assume, quite a bit. But is it going to be more so they come in for Carlos Hyde when he's tired? Or is it going to be Carlos Hyde pounds it on the first two downs and they bring in Sean Drone? The 49ers press release, their um, media guide here, had some some highlights on Curtis Modkins. And the most receptions by running backs in 2015 was Detroit, 135. Yeah. Second was Philadelphia. So they're going to throw to the running backs and uh, (laughs) most receiving yards by uh, running backs in 2015. Number one, again, was Detroit 1200 yards by their running backs receiving. So I expect uh, Carlos Hyde can catch a little bit. I expect him to be utilized, too. So I don't think you have to take him off the field. But with his health, you're going to have to give him a blow a time or two. in. so Chandron, Mike Davis might be heavily used, actually. Number two for me is the quarterback position. I don't expect anything crazy. I, I don't think anybody's going to lead this team 
anywhere. I just want to see competency. I want to see good play calling. I want to see a smart offense. I want it to be tight, and I don't want to see Blaine Gabbert bouncing the ball five yards in front of receivers. So I'm not asking that much, okay, from the quarterbacks. (laughs) Look competent. Uh, Number one for me in this game will be uh, Aaron Donald. He's their best player on defense, and it's going to be that Rams D-line versus the 49ers retooled offensive line. So, yeah, that's my number one as well. Just like you mentioned with that offensive line, it's all the whole offense is going to run off of that offensive line because they're going to need time to throw if they are forced third and long, and it's going to be all about that running game. Yeah, and, and we say that in the defense as well. I mean, this is a quick offense. You mentioned a couple weeks ago about the quickest three and out in football history, and if this offensive line's not giving Gabbard any time to throw and can't protect for Hyde, then yeah, that defense is going to get tired. Yep, I don't want to see that punt with 14.30 on the clock in the first quarter. Do not want to see that. <laughs> hey, how about a bold prediction? What do you think uh, What do you think the starts will be for, for Gabbert versus Kaepernick this season? You got any numbers you want to throw out there? I do. And I think Let's you're uh, sliding my guy Christian Ponder a little bit. Yeah? So this is how I have it ra- uh, broken down. I have Cap right. starting 10 games. I have Gabbert starting four games. And I have Ponder starting two games. Wow. Yeah, so this is and this is probably not the scenario that you want as a 49er fan because this is the scenario that's probably a bad season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Gabbert after four games doesn't look great. Maybe he's beat up. Then that's when Cap comes in. He has a run. Maybe he gets hurt. And then Ponder finishes up the season as the 49ers are looking for that uh, high draft pick. So this is the doomsday scenario situation because obviously if the 49ers have a great season, it's probably – Gabbert starts 16 games, right? Right, right. And you know, we don't we don't see that happening. We'd like that happening. But my my prediction is very similar. I see Gabbert for five and, and then well, four and a half. You know, then I see kind of Kaepernick taking over the end of that game. And and Kaepernick only starting two games. You know, not looking good. The 49ers sit him down just because they don't want to risk any major injury that they're, they're gonna have to pay him next season. And then That's a great you, point. You, if Kaepernick doesn't look like the guy yeah, you almost can't play him, which almost no. then it makes you wonder. Well, why is he on the roster? So there's right. that's there's like that's a back and forth thing. If you want Kaepernick to play, then he's the backup and he's in there. And if you don't want him to play, then get him out of there. So it makes me the ponder thing. That's why I think that's when yeah, I would throw ponder in there at the end, and maybe he continues out. Maybe me, maybe he starts the last eight or nine games of the season, the second half. And I think ponder is just you know I, if somebody gets hurt or you know whatever. But, I think it'd be tough to go back to Gabbard, especially you know when he's not under contract for next season. If Gabbard gets benched, then you know he's not the guy, right? So you're right. just like, let's see if Ponder can be our backup for next year, kind of situation. Yeah, why not? Maybe time, they've even got a, another guy they've picked up that's on the practice squad. You know, that gets cut by another team. Who knows? Right, but that's you know, it's funny because that's what I thought Gabbard was last year. Right, it was let's see if this guy can be a long term backup. And I was like, okay, yeah, he can be a long term backup. And like, no, <laughs> yeah, legit he's starter. Dang it. Okay, well. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> That's not the way I wanted that to go. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what do you see in this game? 49ers, I see a 49ers victory. I do. I mean, you know, Todd Gurley for, for you know, you know, rushing over 1,000 yards last season, being so good after sitting out those first few games. I mean, the guy only averaged 63 yards over his final seven weeks. I think that the league figured it out. You know, Case Keenum's not going to pass for a lot of yards. I think the 49ers stacked the box. I think. You know, that, that Gurley does not have a big night. I think that the 49ers do just enough to, to win this game. I see a lot of a lot of Carlos Hyde. You mentioned it. Maybe, you know, Quentin Patton does get uh, something going there. Maybe you do see Curley in the slot a lot. Maybe Vance McDonald catches seven or eight balls and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, I, I see a win here, and I see 
I, I don't see it being very close. I, I think that the 49ers maybe, you know, 21 to six or something. I totally agree with you. I see a win, and I like how the 49ers match up with the Rams. And I mentioned earlier how the Rams depth chart doesn't look all that great either, and I was actually surprised how bad it looked to me. Uh, they, most of their talents on defense, they have Todd Gurley, obviously. And like I said, that's going to be the 49ers' strength, I think, on defense is they're going to muscle up and they're going to they're going to stop the run. And I think that's maybe why you don't see Buckner in there with the first team right now because that's not right. his strength yet. I, you know, Dial, Purcell, Eric Armstead, those guys can stuff the run a little bit better than Buckner can at this point. And then you're going to see Buckner come in fresh and rush the passer. Uh, but if they can stop Gurley, then this that's game over. Because mm-hmm. Case Keenum is not going to, you know, he's not going to come bring this team back. And their offensive line is okay. They've tried to to work on their offensive line. Uh, they've got the young guy, Greg Robinson, out there. So we'll see if, what how he looks now when he's got that left tackle job sewn up. So we'll see if he's looked better. He kind of looked more like a guard for a while when he first got into the league. So we'll see. The offensive line is not great. We might see something that's very similar to what we saw last year on that second late Monday night football game and a big W to start the season. And then we have to also pull ourselves back and make sure that we don't get too excited if that does happen. <laughs> but hopefully we'll, we'll it does. go back. We'll listen to our clips from week two <laughs> last year. Oh man. No, I, I think you're right. I think we're going to get this thing started right. Um, as fans, we're going to be excited. We're going to be pumped. Um, and hopefully, you know, the 49ers can do it. Hopefully the Chip Kelly era gets started uh, on the right foot. And you know, it's funny, the Jared Goff thing, he's going to be inactive for this game. He's actually listed on their depth chart as the number two quarterback mm. ahead of Sean Mannion, but he's going to be working as the third string guy in this game. And I think Jeff Fisher said something today about how Jared Goff and uh, Sean Mannion are going to switch back and forth. So he wants his first game, Goff, just to sit back and not be active and see how yeah, the game yeah, is from the sidelines. Maybe he'll get active for their first home game. Right, and I think it's probably smart Seattle. Fisher doesn't throw him to the Wolves in his, you know, in his hometown or his home area against the team he grew up rooting for. It might be too big. If the if those preseason games look too big for Goff, then you know week one Monday night football against his hometown team would look massively huge. So I am not surprised at all uh, that he's not in there, even after all that they gave up to get him number one overall. And look, he's not done. He's not a finished product right now. And I think Goff is still going to be very good, but he's still a thin guy. And you see mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, who's huge for the Cowboys all of a sudden, was just looked like a grown man and looked so calm in there for the Cowboys in preseason. And I feel like you were calling his name the pre-draft as a possible late flyer for the 49ers. Am I wrong about that? Oh, no. I liked Dak Prescott yeah, when he I was taken so. in a, a third a third day guy. Uh, he yeah. went in the fourth round. He wasn't one of my top guys that I was pounding the table for but I definitely liked Dak Prescott a little bit. I thought he was a good fit for what the 49ers do. And the the big difference here is he's a man. He's a grown man. He's physically ready for this. And I think Jared Goff's not. And he, he's Jared Goff's two years younger. You know, he was a, a right. true junior coming out of college. He's kind of a little bit skinny. You see him on the, on the field in the NFL, and you're like, okay, that guy needs to muscle up. So he's going to hit the weights in the offseason. I don't know how much he's going to play this year, but he should he should get in there eventually. He's smart. He can throw the ball. Uh, Dak Prescott is just on is a completely different player, different human being. I mean, he's built, he's ready to go. He was a fifth year senior, had a red shirt year, so he's seen a lot of football and just. What about uh, Wentz? How do you feel that's going to go in Philly? Um, you know, I don't know. I that's that's hard to say because he's probably not yeah, any more ready the to go there, than you put him between those two guys. Then Goff was right, and I always get worried about the guys who run a lot. I think he and he's already been hurt, broken rib or whatever he's dealing with. When you're not ready 
and you get thrown in there, it can be a very bad situation. He could get beat up because he might try to use his legs to get out of that situation and just just get just get beat up. So I don't see that ending well. And gosh, we didn't talk about this as part of the news segment in the beginning, but how I can't believe how much the Vikings gave up to trade for Sam Bradford. Oh, I know. A first round draft pick? Are you kidding me? I mean, that was just <laughs> they I really how have hard you seen up Sam are Bradford you in your it's pretty crazy that's it, and it takes so long for a quarterback to get ready and be ready yeah. to play. So it might be midseason before he's ready to really take that team over. And Blows my a, mind. Oh man, that was that makes you wonder. They must really that. think that they have a they do have a good defense, but they really must think like, okay, we're running out of time with Adrian Peterson. Let's do this. Yeah, man, I don't know. That was that was mind boggling, and and pink props to the Eagles for for holding strong and also, gosh. Kaepernick. Kaepernick could have been a huge trade chip right there. Yeah. And I wonder if this whole national anthem thing had, you know, had something to do with teams probably not wanting any part of that. Well, that and, you know, the the weight loss and, you know, just not looking very good in the preseason. I mean, he his trade value's done nothing but go down, down, down. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he looked okay in that last preseason game. He looked fine. It was the game before that he looked lost. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, well, that was against the starters. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But going back to cap for a second, I wonder if there was anything weighing on him on his mind. And it just, I wonder if there was a big weight off his shoulders after everything came out before that fourth preseason game. So he could be like, okay, that's over with now. Let's go play football. Right. Right. He's had a lot that's of thinking to do in the off season. He's looked like a different guy. He seemed like a different guy. He acts different towards the media. Uh, I wish I would actually ask Steve Berman about that. Cause he's around the team, but Seems like he's acting completely different, like a completely different person. So that's a really interesting transformation, just personally for a guy. And uh, his <laughs> his hair, where did that hair come from? I know, right? That was hilarious. The first interview after kneeling during sitting down during the national anthem, and all of a sudden he has this huge fro. He's like, "Whoa, okay, that's what you were hiding under those cornrows." In the like early South Park episodes, I don't know if you remember those. Kyle Broflowski takes off his hat for the first time, which is like, <laughs> boom, big afro. I do remember you that. Me of that. Yeah, I do remember that. That's funny. Yep. Football's getting started, man. I'm oh, pumped. I can't wait. 49ers so Rams. The Los yep. Angeles Rams. I like it that they're in Los Angeles. Makes me dislike them a little bit more. Oh, a lot more. I, I could care less about them before. They're St. Louis. They weren't very good. Whatever. Now they're L.A. Beat L.A. chance. They're coming. Yeah. And, oh, you know what's crazy is uh, I was just down in Los Angeles and how much I hated being at Dodger Stadium. My wife, if for those of you who don't know, is a Dodgers fan. She was born in Burbank. She doesn't really care much about football. She she likes the Saints because she likes their uniform colors. But nice, yeah. Um, so luckily she's not a Rams fan or a Raiders fan or anything. But I was at Dodger Stadium, and you know it's, it's actually I was it was there was more charm to the stadium than I remember. I'd been there a couple times before, but it's been a few years, and I always hated the stadium. The upper deck, you're kind of like, you feel like I'm gonna fall forward onto the field. It's really <laughs> steep, right? And yeah, I was. I, it's a weird stadium, but it's kind of a kitschy thing where it's stuck in the 60s and that's the vibe you get there but dude the wave are you kidding me dude it's never gonna People, die there not only beach balls which is the thing they do yeah the, the game was stopped twice for beach balls going on the field during the game but paper airplanes i guess that's a new thing i saw five or six paper airplanes flying around two of them made it onto the field just a joke yeah for those of you that head out to at&t park and participate in the wave stop it Stop it, stop it, stop it. That does, stop. That has no business being It there. should never happen. You should be escorted out of the building. Right. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> beat L.A., right? Beat L.A. Beat L.A. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can follow us, subscribe on Twitter, 
We're on uh, iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. You can find him at Bay Area Week. You can find me at BD Peacock. Shoot us an email if you want, goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at goldfaithfulpodcast. Thank you so much to Steve Berman for joining us on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See ya. So I think we're going to win, and I think we're going to win maybe substantially, but let's just see what happens.